Hi, I'm Chris Wade and I'm a consultant speech therapist working at South Wales in the UK and uh, I just thought I'd kind of make you know, the second episode of the podcast on um, something that's really close to my heart, something that I'm obsessed with and that's the diagnostic side of social communication disorders. I just wanted to really rough, like kind of really quickly just go through kind of um, the what kind of nice guidelines are in terms of a multidisciplinary assessment uh, around kind of autistic spectrum disorders and um, yeah so 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 my experience is in um, ASD assessments is is in the UK and it's also international um, I've set up uh, or co-led the setup of NHS and multidisciplinary social communication assessment and assessment teams I've also done it independently um, in, in England and Wales. And uh, I also work with quite a few independent diagnostic services and provide sections of the most disciplinary assessment. And I guess the, the, the first kind of thing to identify is kind of who's in that most disciplinary team. And we've got a, typically we've got a clinical psychologist or a pediatrician that's that's kind of sat at the top of the team. Um, and I say I, hierarchically, I, I'm going to refer to him at the top of the team because um, the clinical psych and your pediatrician have kind of clinical oversight of over so many different domains in child development, um, and the, the level of insight is typically um, kind of wider than what you find uh, for the other individual members of their team or specialists within their area. Um, so you'd also have uh, most typically a speech and language therapist. That's kind of the kind of one of the experts around communication and interaction. Um, you may have a occupational therapist, but they don't don't technically have to form part of the what NICE as the most disciplinary team. The assessments that I've always done, whether, whether that be for the NHS um, or in private practice, have included a speech and language assessment that considers kind of compares a child's kind of general receptive and expressive language skills in comparison to their peers. Um, uh, there's typically a school or nursery observation. Um, and that's seeing that individual child in, in a typical peer, um, with, with peers in a typical setting. Um, then we're looking at something like the uh, Autism Diagnostic Observation Schedule, so the ADOS2, um, which is, I mean, the ADOS2 has several modules depending on the child's level, uh, kind of language levels and their age. And what we tend to say is we do it in this particular order so that um, you start with the observation before you do an observation before you do an ADOS so that the child doesn't necessarily recognise the individual doing the observation from someone they've met before. So I normally start with the observation. So we've got the ADOS, which is the play-based assessment. Um, I'm just driving back from an ADOS with a, uh, a adolescent, um, and that was a module three ADOS. That's one of the latest stage ADOSes, which, is, um, which kind of looks at kind of all the different domains around an autism diagnosis. Uh, but it's a lot more kind of um, conversational, kind of flowing back and forth with some materials that are used as well. Whereas the younger children is is is, is kind of either fully or significantly play based. Um, and then the older one, which is the module four, would be um, a lot more kind of um, I think it's kind of step up in the module three in terms of the amount of language uh, and the amount of conversation and kind of um, independent skills and functional skills, etc. That you'd cover as well. The other part of a, a typical what I see as a gold standard assessment um, is either is a um, autism diagnostic interview revised. So that's the ADIR. Um, there's also the 3DI, 
um, which is based on the ADI. And this is a parent interview, it's a very detailed parent interview that looks at a child's development, typically from age, um, well, from from birth upwards really, um, but really focusing on that kind of age three and kind of considering what, where the child's kind of difficulties were at age three. Um, the ADI has got 90 odd questions. Uh, it can take three to four hours. Um, if parents are separated, I'd often do an ADI with both parents and compare scores. It's quite difficult to do one with two people at the same time because these interviews could go on past the five, six hour mark, um, which is tiring for you, but also tiring for the individual. I, one of the tips I give when I'm, when I'm doing ADI is that I ask the parent to uh, bring a collection of photos of key milestones. So you can imagine, kind of, kind of anchor yourself back to where that child was at that particular age and what they were doing, what sort of behaviours they presented with, um, what sort of thing they copied, what their language was like, kind of, um, yeah. So we've, we'd have, so essentially you've got the observation, you've got the ADOS, the ADIR, um, maybe some further developmental history questions that a clinical psychopediatrician might ask. Um, you'd have a speech and language assessment. I'd normally advocate, and the psychologists I work with would, pre, would, would too, a, a cognitive assessment as well. So you've got a good comparison between kind of where someone's language skills are and then where, where their cognitive skills are. And then the last kind of part of it is the medical part. Um, and it's not the last, it's not, I won't say the last part, but it's, a, it's, a, it's another piece of this. Um, is the medical parts, that's a consideration of the, of the uh, young person's vision, their eyes, so you know, eyes are vision, uh, their vision and their hearing. See if there's any, any kind of uh, concerns in those two domains. And then also look at uh, blood tests. Uh, there's particular kind of things that can be ruled out from blood tests. Um, so then you're looking at the kind of the medicalized model, and then you're looking at the social model with the other assessments. And then what we tend to do as a team, and what we've always done with it when I was working with the NHS, is we take all this information together, typically gathered over about five to six sessions. So you've got a good amount of information, not just one assessment. Uh, the ADOS cannot diagnose autism. The ADI cannot diagnose autism. So it's bringing all that information together and then coming to a overall formulation based on the perspectives of all the information but also the perspectives of the clinical psychologist the speech and language therapist the pediatrician often the clinical the um often the the clinical psych often the occupational therapist so it's a very kind of multidisciplinary team approach to kind of working out what is happening within with this individual what their strengths are what their needs are how best to support them in the future but also whether there's a particular label that helps to describe their needs um, and whether that label meets that kind of diagnostic criteria within the ICD-10 or the DSM-5. I hope this podcast has been helpful. Um, I, it's a bit longer than normal. I think I've, I think I need to work out how to shorten my podcast because my target of five minutes um, isn't easy to keep to. Um, also, whilst I'm driving down the M4 or away from an assessment, but any questions, feel free to feel free to leave me a voice message. Feel free to comment, share, um, and um, if there's any future topics you want to cover, um, just feel free to add that in the comments or tag people in that might be interested or might want to kind of go on a podcast with me. Thank you for your time.